Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the he in patriarchy. Because <laughs> the patriarchy I grew up under is still with us. That's right. <laughs> and we're working on a patriarchy line for the store. We so are. just an FYI, we have heard you. Yes. We hear you. We know you're, wait- we're, you're waiting for patriarchy gear, and we are on it. So... We will let you know when that... It'll be a lot of paracord stuff. <laughs> yeah, all the paracords, <laughs> just with Sheologian's fists on them and things like that. Yes, <laughs> we just really, we want to make sure that it's not, it doesn't feel girly. girly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are not trying to sell men's shirts for women. But we're also not trying to sell unbranded shirts. Yeah. They're all from Sheologian's. So it's all in process. I also just want to do something really quick that I cannot remember the last time I did. I'm going to tell you guys two things that I don't think I've mentioned since 2017. The first is we have a website. (laughs) We have a website. And um, every week when I post episodes, I tag them. I am very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm very intentional on tagging all of the content so that if at any point you're like, hey, have Summer and Joy ever talked about blah, blah, blah? You can just go. That's JoJo. She just woke up. <laughs> well, hello, JoJo. She just woke up and hey. screamed Were at you, you all. Upset? <laughs> and she's not, it's not like she's upset or anything. It's just like. Now she's smiling. Now she's smiling. Honestly, Georgia, that's how I feel when I wake up too. (laughs) So that like, hi, hi world. Here I am. We are not cutting that out. I refuse. I'm sorry to all of you who have headphones in. That might have startled you. But you know what? Georgia was startled and that's what really matters. (laughs) Um, So anyway, uh, if you have ever wondered if we have talked about something or an issue, you can go to sheologians.com and the search bar is there. It is alive. It is well. And I know this might sound very obvious, but I do think, and um, I think you've been talking about this. Da- I think everybody's been talking about this, so I'm losing track of who's saying what. But, um, you know, we might not be as active on social media as we are forever. <laughs> Um, I feel like we said some things in our episode last week that could um, somebody somewhere is very upset about. And um, we're talking about the kinds of things on our show that um, can get you canceled from a lot of platforms. And so I just want to encourage you guys to go over to our website. Um, and it is there and our, our content is there. And um, we, we need your support to keep doing this. We want to continue to own our own content um, so that we do not 
we are not censored and we don't have to bother you with ads. So head over to the website, buy a t-shirt, join us at patreon.com slash theologians. Uh, we have another round of book club coming up very, very soon. I'm very, very excited about it. Um, we're going to be reading David Saxton's God's Battle Plan for the Mind, and it is about um, the Puritans and what they had to say about biblical meditation. It's super, super encouraging, and I think going to be um, more and more important for my generation. I don't know if we've done a ton of meditation before, so join us to talk about that. Or if we uh, have, <laughs> it's been it's real weird. Kind. It was the the yoga kind. Yeah. Um, which is not what what the book is that's about. Not, so yeah, what we're talking about. Yeah, that's not what we're doing. So um, anyway, so dad, thanks for still being here with us. Um, I have a funny view. What are we gonna do? Just walk off? You, you're not know. allowed. <laughs> also, you drove me here, so you, <laughs> you're stuck. That's true. Um, so Nani's at your house with one of the yeah. kids. So yeah. there you go. Mom <laughs> is in the pool with my kid. Yeah, we're all stuck. Um, so. You, I mean, as long as I've been alive, I have no memory of you not working, n- not doing anything Alpha and Omega related. Like that's right. my entire life. You've been doing that, mm-hmm. which also for me means that I have never not had Rich right. in my life. I don't. Rich the tingle. Rich the tingle. Mm-hmm. Um, he's never, you should probably tell him. That sounds weird. You should oh, tell it him. Does, it does sound weird, but. but. <laughs> That was you, wasn't it? Was that was that? It was, was that, it was Josh. Was it Josh? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. But but Rich, Rich was single until quite quite late in life, and and was part of the singles group at at, at a very very large <clears throat> church that we were a part of, and uh, so I think it was standing out on the porch outside of Dottie and Jesse's once or something like that. He he pointed to Rich, and and um, for some reason, single came out as Tingle. tingle. Rich, Rich, Rich the, the tingle. tingle. Yeah, so Rich, there's Rich the Tingle. So Alpha and Omega, for those of you who don't know, is my dad and his ministry and what he does and there's two people that make alpha and omega alpha and omega right. rich is the other one rich is the one that makes things happen he's the behind the scenes guy that you know everything would just fall apart oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. i think my dad would just be like inside his house doing the dl no cameras <laughs> just yeah. like if rich wasn't there yeah, pretty much. you know <laughs> Yeah, I do it on cassette tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so I have never, there has never been a part of my, of my life where Rich wasn't just, all. he's been a constant mm-hmm. part of it. And so at one point, Rich and, and us, we were neighbors. We lived next to each other. And well, that's how we got our house. Right. Was my office was in his house. Right. Alpha and Omega was, Alpha, yeah. so Alpha and Omega was in Rich's garage. Yep. And uh, poor Rich, we would spend our summers there just eating all of his Pringles and, and Hot Pockets. And <laughs> the Hot Pockets. <laughs> the Hot Pockets and, hot pockets and the pockets. Pringles wow. and outside, you know, swimming in the backyard um, on summer break. But um, so <laughs> I told Rich I would tell breaking this story. His kitchen. Yeah, breaking his kitchen. Oh, yeah. man, poor, poor Rich. <laughs> the things he's had to put up with. Uh, one time we had a cat die. He had to come dispose of oh, it because you poor, were out of town. Poor, oh, poor Tuesday. <laughs> Mom and I were just like. I was in Florida. Uh, yeah, that's right. And you all couldn't touch the dead cat, so, so the cat, Rich had to come get yeah, the dead cat. Yeah, so we called Rich. We're like, Rich, you have to come deal with this cat that I don't. I had had my whole life up until that point, pretty much. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't know if I've told you this story, but I told Rich. I know the story about the dead cat. Okay. I do know that one. Tuesday. I get Tuesday. <laughs> here, Tuesday. He's deader than a doornail. Anyway, I told Rich I would share this story because yeah. it just comes up all the time. And it really is a stunning display of just... <laughs> 
idiocy on my part. So I'll just share it with you guys. So Rich lived next door, which meant that when my dad was traveling and we had things like dead cats to deal with, Rich came and dealt. He was your guy. Rich is a very handy man. Like, like he is a handy man. Not like he's good to have around. Like, he can build things. Right. You know. Fix things. Fix things. Very trustworthy with tools and such such things. A little bit like Tim Taylor. Yeah. Like, he was like, yeah, 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 like that. And um, so I I had a 1994 Ford Probe. You liked that car. I loved that car. Yeah. That was one of my first vehicles. I loved it. Go Google 1994 Ford Probe. That's what I drove in high school. Um, and so one day uh, I went, I think I had to go to work or I had something going on, but I needed to get gas in the car first before I could make it to my destination. I was about 16, 17 years old. And so I drove to the gas station and I pulled up to the pump and, you know, obviously one of the things you do before you turn your car off is you put it in park, right? Well, I... Well, sometimes. <laughs> well, you should, you should try it. You should do you that. You should put your car <laughs> in <laughs> park. <laughs> so I went to put the car in park and it would not go in park. And I'm just sitting there and I'm trying to push it, you know, the stick in the center into... into you know, the little P for mm-hmm. park. Yeah. There comes the train. I don't know yeah. if you guys can hear that, but that's the train. Um, and uh, it won't go. Like, it just will not go into park. And I did not know what to do. So I put it back in drive. I turned around. I drove back to the house because I did not know what to do. I, was, I, I honestly didn't know what the N stood for. <laughs> Okay. Wow. Who taught you to drive? Uh, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, but, but my dad, my, my mom, I think she wasn't home and dad was out of town. And so Rich lived next door. So I pull up in front of his house. I can't, I did not <laughs> know what neutral was. So I just put my foot on the brake. I opened the door and I'd like, <laughs> got most of my body out but like still had my foot on brake and I'm like standing there in the middle of the road yelling over the top of the car rich rich just screaming Saturday morning just screaming over my vehicle so finally rich kind (laughs) of he opens the door and he looks out and he's like yes and I was like I need help so he comes over and He's standing there in the road. The door's open. I'm sitting in it. And I'm like, I the car, my car won't go in park. And he was like, <clears throat> okay, well, put it in neutral. And I was like, oh, okay, that must be the end. So I put it in neutral. <laughs> took my foot off the gas <laughs> or the brake, got out. And he sits down in the driver's seat and he looks down at the, the gear, you know, st- it wasn't a stick, but, you know. Yeah, the little thingy. The thingy. Mm-hmm. The thingy. <laughs> he looks down at it. And he looks up at me and he looks down at it again and he looks up at me (laughs) and I'm waiting for him to do something. Like he's rich. He fixes things. Why is he not fixing? Why isn't he popping the hood or anything like that? My clearly broken vehicle. (laughs) And all he does is he reaches down into the center console and removes my large yellow CD Walkman that was in the way. And just pops it right into park. <laughs> Hands me my Walkman, and he's like, "Can I help you with anything else?" <laughs> <laughs> nope. For some reason, I don't know why my brain that morning just c- 
could not connect that, <laughs> that something was just in the just way that well and part of it and i I've, thought it was your whole cd thing no it was just my yellow oh, walkman okay. and and part of it and this is really not me defending myself because wow that was dumb but part of it was that that was where i kept it so i had one of those like audio tape uh, so like it was obviously just a cassette tape in the car that you could right. play and it had the cord the so I could plug adapter. It, an yeah. adapter so I could plug the cord into my Walkman right. and then so put the little Bluetooth. Right. Yeah, yes. I know. This is wondering. I feel so old. Yeah. So yeah. then you put the the tape in and and that's so I could play my CDs even though I only had a cassette deck. Right. And so I always kept my Walkman there and I don't know maybe that day the way I put it like I just put it I put it in a funny way that it normally wasn't and my brain just couldn't make that connection but I'll just poor Rich. Thank you Rich. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you so Rich much. wasn't around the day that you um that your car was stolen. No. Oh, I remember I that. Wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I was I was in my office in Rich's house <laughs> when I think you did you call me? No, I yeah, I think I, I, think I called, called you me. to ask you if you had taken it. Yeah, is it, where's where's my where's my car? I went out to get in my car and it wasn't there. And it's there. not there. And so I I come out of my office, I come walking across the front of Rich's house, and this is where she would normally park on the street, and and she's standing there, staring at the spot, this empty spot where my I'm, car should and be. And I'm staring at the empty <laughs> spot, and I've had I've had vehicles stolen. I had I had a truck right. stolen out of the Phoenix College parking lot. And that's a terrible feeling. Yeah, oh, it's just it's a horrible, horrible yeah. feeling. Uh, yeah, especially when there's some glass on the on the mm -hmm. ground. It's like, yeah, oh, man. And <laughs> we're just staring at this spot, and then all of a sudden she starts crying. Of course, yeah, you yeah, know? my problem. Yeah, and, and so and so you know we go inside, and I think we had cell phones by then. Yeah, we did. Uh, we, not smartphones, but no, smart right, cell yeah. phones. We but call, some you, kind of Nokia something. Nokia yeah. something. No, I had my, I had my. Uh, this was magical. I had my first flip phone. It flipped open, right. and oh, then the gotcha. camera could turn. Right. That, but right. it was like you had right. to physically turn it yourself. <laughs> right. Like it oh, could yeah. face out yeah. or in. Like it circled, and it was just like the most high tech thing that's ever happened. Oh, yeah. But yeah, anyway, yeah. that was my phone. Yeah. So, so I'm getting on the phone to the Phoenix Police Department. Mm -hmm. This is before they were defunded, and um, <laughs> obviously, man, a long time. And <laughs> I know that you guys are listening to this. And no on one the was website. wearing masks. <laughs> no one had any masks. No, there were any masks on. <laughs> Nothing like that. It was a pretty wild uh, time back wild. then. Wild. Uh, wild, wild west. <laughs> And uh, so, so I'm I'm waiting to get connected. But I think I'm just starting the, the report, and I hear Summer in her room on on the phone with her friend. Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> and, and then all of a sudden it gets quiet. What? <laughs> oh. <laughs> she is. She had parked her car at her friend's house, and then after whatever they had done the night before, they had dropped her off at the house. And and she, the, her friend's like, "Summer, your car's here. Your car's here." <laughs> she was like, "I'm looking at it right now. It's parked in front of my room." Because <laughs> her like the driveway at her house like went right up underneath right. her window, and so she's just sitting in her room on the phone with me, and she's like, "I'm looking at your car. I had forgotten." <laughs> That the day before, because we had this whole day, we had thrown a birthday party for someone. We had made cakes in the morning. Didn't you all realize when we dropped you off that you were no? So oh. then we had this whole day where where we were baking cakes, and we drove out here to the East Valley, and yeah. we celebrated birthdays. And then at the end of the night, she just dropped, dropped off, me and off. It all made sense. And I hadn't thought about like we had not thought about it. I I mean, I walked by that empty spot and just hadn't thought about the fact that my car wasn't there. <laughs> 
and then you slept. So and then I that, slept. that was it. No, <laughs> just, I was just erased just... my entire brain. My entire brain is erased every uh, night, just yeah. so you guys know. Yeah. Yep. I wake up and I have to learn everything again. Fifty so. first dates, right there. So, yeah, right there. So it was just yeah. So I've lost my car. Um, I was unable and to put my car in park, and um, at, at least you've never pulled up next to a Chevron to try. I haven't to, done that. That uh, would require so much that's context. Too much, that's too, too much. much. Too we'll much protect. Yeah. We'll protect Nani from let's that. Let's get. Let's get back. To yes. The real, yes. Real yes. Season. So anyway, <clears throat> um, hopefully you guys, your brains have have healed um, in the last week since we blew your minds um, talking about the holiness code and all kinds of things that could just totally get us super canceled. Oh yeah. I'm waiting for somebody to meme like they don't think lots that bad, but anyway, um, I know I did. I was like, after we had the conversation, I was like, they probably think we're just someone like giving a lot of pass. You guys are lot defenders. But anyway, no, that's not what's happening, but, um, we would not do what lot did. <laughs> Just descriptive, prescriptive. There's two plenty different things. Of, I would not do what David did. <laughs> yes. There's plenty of things I would not, I would not do, do what not insert biblical person did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, so we are talking, this is our, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I'm going to highly recommend that you do that. Um, my dad is here. We are talking about the big six, the big six passages um, in scripture that deal directly with the issue of homosexuality. Um, we gave a lot of reasons last week as to why we're doing that. We're going to give you some more this week. Um, so funny enough, one of the passages that we're going to be talking about today, Romans 1, 18 through 32, that was the first long chunk of scripture I ever memorized. Um, that was a uh, contest because, man, did I go to a Reformed Baptist church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that was, I think I was 11 when I memorized that or 12. Let's memorize maybe. the stuff about the depravity of men. <laughs> Make sure you know how depraved you are. <laughs> I sure memorized it. I don't remember what I won, but I know I won something and go. it was great, whatever mm -hmm. it was. But anyway, um, so, yeah, where do you want to start? We have three more passages, yep, the ones do. in the New Testament that we haven't talked about yet. But you also wanted to uh, contextualize things very briefly uh, yeah. in light of the fact that um, the United States Supreme Court uh, decided to redefine sexuality and humanity outside of a Christian worldview, really in rebellion against a, a, a Christian worldview. Yep just recently, which once again forces us to uh, consider these issues and to understand why we believe the things we believe about humanity and about mankind and how destructive it is, um, really destructive to human life. Uh, Dr. Moeller's phrase to human flourishing. Yes, yes. Uh, is, is the term that uh, you know, has become extremely popular, but it's, it's true, that's, that's exactly what it's about and that's exactly what we're seeing. And the, the sad thing is what the Supreme Court did uh, with Neil Gorsuch writing the, the majority, majority opinion, Neil Gorsuch being one of the uh, Donald Trump picks, um, right. was to have, well, as, as the dissenting opinion specifically said, straight up front, um, what the court did today was legislation. It was not decision. It was right. not deciding something. This was legislation. This was they basically passed the Equality Act uh, right. by Through, judicial fiat, yeah. uh, right. which redefines. And, and the amazing thing was, if you read it, the, the facile argumentation that Gorsuch used to try to basically say, yeah, this is not what sex meant in 1964. 
now you could have argument that the the Pandora's box was was cracked open in 1964 and they just simply opened the rest of it. What up. happened in 1964? Civil Rights, Civil, Civil Rights Act 1964. Okay. Um, there were there were foundational issues in that that were going to become exploited one way or the other. It didn't have to be done the way that it was done. Okay. Uh, but it was done the way it was done and therefore mm-hmm. it, they've, they've been able to utilize it to... It set a precedent. S- snuggle, uh, snuggle, smuggle, thi- <laughs> snuggle, snuggle, snuggle up to it and smuggle things in. Um, <laughs> smuggle things into it that, that no one in 1964 ever dreamed it could ever actually intend, but it was their problem for not being specific enough uh, okay. in, their, in their words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the point is that we are, we are living in a day where our understanding of humanity, which had laid the foundation for British common law and therefore the common law that came into, into the United States and, and the whole understanding of man as creating the image of God and therefore having certain God-given rights that, that's that's gone and functionally in the mindset yeah. of the vast majority of people around us and yeah. we can no longer assume it we have to be able to explain it we have to be able to warn people once you engage in a governmental structure where rights are created by sustained by and granted by the government yeah uh, you are in a very 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 dangerous place and so it's, t- it's time for us to be going back to basics and saying, let us show you a better way. Uh, mm. It was a way that we once knew, but obviously it's a way that we've rejected. And so let's yeah. talk about why it was a better way and go back to it. Um, <clears throat> so this is not a subject um, that we can get away from because of the fact that what this, this Supreme Court decision will mean, especially once there is a willing uh, Senate uh, House alignment mm-hmm is uh, the passage of a tremendous amount of legislation demanding the um, embracing of, celebration of, affirming of, not just uh, homosexuality, but obviously transgenderism, the redefinition of marriage. It's all one big woke train. uh, And pretty soon it's gonna be driven by the Senate and the House and by the President as well. So for the people who don't know, can you, what was this case called? Oh goodness! I don't um, remember. There were it, it, the thing was it was a bundled case. Okay. And so there was a Bostock or something like that. Yeah, was Bostock. One, Bostock was one of the bundled cases, mm-hmm. and the, the weird thing was they weren't all the same. I mean, the one of the cases was a uh, uh, a man who was a funeral director, and he decided he was transgender and wanted to start wearing dresses to meet the families at the at the funeral home okay and he was fired oh the the funeral home said no right we want we don't want a cross-dressing man meeting people in this context we we didn't hire you as a cross-dressing man yeah um right and so they they put that together with a bunch of other uh employment issues that i thought had major differences between them but they Mm. bundled them together so i think they probably used that one one name okay. for for all of these that were that were put together, and basically what they did was they said we're going to read into the 1964 definition of uh, Title Seven, or was it Title Eight? I forget which one it was. Anyway, it's part of the 64 Civil Rights Act. We're going to read into it a new definition that no one back then could ever have dreamed, but it's time to do it. So this is legislation from the bench. This yeah. is this is something they couldn't get done in in uh, in mm. through the legislative branch. So they're doing it the other way. It's, it's the over. It's the corruption of the intentions of the founders of of the nation is is really what we're seeing happening. 
what that's going to do is further put pressure upon Christians uh, in the expression of their own views within society. And what you're going to see, and I, I do remember speaking out against this when it first happened, but I'm old enough to remember when the first hate crimes laws were, mm. were passed. Mm -hmm. And at the time, um, even as a young person, I was like, this does not make any sense. Um, I, I get why people like the feeling of it, uh, that you should punish somebody worse if they're a horrible bigot. But the problem right. is that's requiring people to climb into someone's brain and determine right. motivations and things and like thoughts. that. Yes. And hearts and Trying thoughts. Trying to prove something that exactly. really, I it, mean, unless they say like, I I'm doing this for this reason. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I hate you. But, but, but even then, the act should be wrong because it's against the law. Right, right. Uh, not because of some other thing. Well, that's, we all are now seeing what door that opened because now everything's a hate crime. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you disagree with the current um, idea being pushed, if, if you, we have people losing their jobs right yeah. now for muttering Thought the crimes. phrase, all lives matter. Right. Um, because that's considered to be hate. And so we, we can't right. even define these things anymore. Right. So here's, this is what we're facing. And so many of us are going to be put in a position where we, we can no longer do things we used to do, can no, can no longer teach in places we used to teach or, or whatever else. And we better know why. Um, and what's going to happen is a lot of Christians, because they don't know what the scriptures teach, don't have a firm foundation to go, you know what, that's not a hill to die on. And so right. they're going to they're move along. The problem right. is, in so doing, you start cutting out portions of the fabric of the biblical narrative until right. you've got nothing really nothing. left and, right. and that's what you see in, in mainstream protestantism today and so yeah it, it every single uh, session of the court now focuses us upon this tremendous uh, change within our within our society probably though uh the text that has been cited more often throughout history in regards to this issue is of course the first chapter of, mm -hmm. of romans and uh, I think it is it is important to recognize that just last year, or actually the end of 2018, uh, J.D. Greer, the president of the Southern Baptist Convention, who has been given an extra year. What? Uh, oh, yeah, the, the convention wouldn't meet because of COVID, so he's just been granted an extra year to, to continue doing what he's been doing. I did not know hmm. that. They know that, huh? Yeah, they decided oh, not to have a convention this year, and therefore so everybody legit. who has a position just continues to have that position. They could just call it a protest. <laughs> well, that, that's, that's how, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but J.D. Greer preached a sermon uh, from Romans chapter 1 where, yes, he identified homosexuality as a sin, but basically that was where he said that, that the Bible... Uh, screams about some sins, but then when it comes whispers to sexual, about whispers others. about others. And, yeah. and that it was whispering about homosexuality and sexual sin and things like that. And he, he said that homosexuality is just simply listed along with all these other sins, and it was not. Uh, when you look at Romans chapter one, we don't have time to unpack a lot of it. Um, I did write a book on justification once called uh, The God Who Justifies has an extensive Whole chapter on, yeah. on Romans chapter one that uh, people might be able to uh, uh, obtain if they want to go a little bit more in depth. But I think what you need to recognize is that verses 18 through 32 are meant to provide a rather extensive, full discussion on Paul's part of what the nature of the universality of sin is and the core element of idolatry, uh, how all of, of sin is, is related to a fundamental 
uh, degradation of the relationship of the, of the creature to the creator. And the discussion of homosexuality beginning in verse 26, verses 26 and 27, mm -hmm. is not just a part of a, of a vice list. You do have a vice list uh, beginning in verse 29. Um, this is an illustration. It's not a part of a vice list. That's right. And the illustration is meant to explain what exchange means. Mm -hmm. um, in verse 25, uh, because, verse 24, uh, therefore God gave them over in the desires of their hearts unto uncleanness. And so there is, a, what's the nature of when God gives someone over who's been suppressing the knowledge of God, uh, they will not acknowledge uh, who God is um, and that can take many different forms. It can be false religion. It can be drugs. It can be whatever. There's lots of ways of suppressing the knowledge of God. But when people do this, um, does this only affect a certain part of them? Or is the entire uh, frame of mind, when, when Paul says, professing to be wise, they became fools, and their foolish hearts are darkened. darkened. Uh, that, that idea of the, of the center of mankind's ability to think, to reason, to recognize who he is, when it's darkened, that means light is taken away. Right. Uh, what is, what's the result of that? And in, in the United States, even in the United States church, we almost have the idea that that's one area God would never touch. We, uh, there's, some, there's something in the Constitution that would preclude God from doing that, obviously. <laughs> and so uh, the, we literally yeah. have that type of a mindset. Yeah. And that's where the myth of neutrality takes hold, is that there's still that, there's still that neutral place buried deep inside. And what you actually have is Paul says, no, there's been an exchange and you've exchanged the glory of the incredible God for an image made like corruptible creatures and four-footed beasts. And this, he's drawing from Genesis uh, chapter, uh, chapters one and two here, uh, the creation narrative. Mm -hmm. um, there's been this exchange that has taken place. And since this exchange has taken place, all of mankind is impacted by this. And verses 26 and 27 are his illustration. There can be nothing more basic than man's manhood and femalehood in the continuation of the species. You deny this and the species ends, okay? One generation and you're done, okay? That's it. And so it is so natural. It's natural to just, you just look at bodies and go, yeah, okay, I, mm -hmm, yeah, I see. That's how, that, that, <laughs> I see how this works, yes. And, and, and there's, it's so natural in to to see the createdness and the intentionality of these things that what the illustration is is in in verse 26 therefore god gave them over to dishonorable passions and i and i remember when i debated uh, barry lynn um and, and again i folks uh, it's a long debate but i've i've posted just the cross-examination portion portion where I started asking him about Romans chapter one. Cause here's a guy, he used to be on news, on the news all the time. They're constantly throwing softball questions at him. This is probably the first time he had ever had to actually deal with someone um, who, well, I had this little teeny tiny Bible with me. Uh, and I mean, it was small. This is back when I could still read small, <laughs> small print. Um, and he had not brought a Bible to a debate on the subject of whether the homosexuality is consistent with biblical Christianity. He didn't bring a Bible. So when I started asking him specifics, he said, well, I, I don't have a Bible. So I hand him this little Bible. Yeah. 
he's older than me, so he can't read it. No. He's sitting here doing this. And, over, you know. <laughs> and so I just grabbed my Greek New Testament, smaller version than this one, same one, but smaller version than this one. And I am asking him pointed questions. So I, so I asked him ab about what that meant, dishonorable passions, pathe atomias. And he is just spinning. He is dying up there. He was so angry by the end of that debate. He was yelling at the audience. It, was, it was an amazing, yeah. amazing thing. Uh, but he just couldn't. But it says dishonorable passions. And then I think, and I can't prove this beyond a shadow of a doubt, but I think the way that you should read uh, the next part is for even their women mm. for even their women because you really don't have any references to lesbianism in the old testament you, right you really don't you may have, you can maybe read something into some of the sure. temple prostitution things but yeah but but for even their women exchanged now that's the exact same word in the exact same form that was used in verse 25 mm. exchanging the truth of god for the lie so even for even their women exchanged the natural, the, the, the natural use for that which is against nature. Mm -hmm. And so I think there is a, can you believe that even their women, women did, that. did this? Mm -hmm. yeah. the, the motherly instinct, the, the instinct to produce life and, and to, to, to be created by God to do all those special nurturing things that women can do, even their women we're willing to set that aside. We're, we're willing to exchange it. The same lie for the truth, exchange. Natural use for that which is against nature. Even their women. Right. That's how deep this can go in the sense of rebellion and idolatry. It can even impact the maternal instinct. And likewise then, the, the behavior that is well understood because it was seen all through Greek and Roman uh, Roman right. um, uh, uh, empires and, and government and things like that. Likewise, also the men, and he uses the specific, very specific words for females and men, males and females. It's, I mean, the bodily description is what he's using here. Likewise, uh, their men abandoning the natural use of the female. You can't get any more obvious than this. You right. really, really can't. <laughs> no, you really can't. <laughs> abandoning the, the natural use of the woman uh, burned in their lusts one for another, men in men working shameful acts is what's described here. Now, I remember uh, Barry, uh, Barry Lynn using the very common arguments look this is just back in the days of rome and powerful men in rome would often have boy toys right they would have slaves uh, they they'd have their wives because right. they had to have that and sometimes they'd have concubines too but that could off, off, often get really really messy if you just want to feel good then you have your you know things like that the problem is it says burning in their their love their desire for one another this mm -hmm. is the very mutuality that we're constantly being told, well, there's nothing in the Bible about, uh, you know, loving monogamous, uh, monogamous relationships. relationships. Right, and, right. Uh, no, th this is specifically describing homosexual desire between men. There, there is no way around this. There are numerous homosexual gay scholars who have said, that's what this is about. <laughs> right, there's no right. reason there's to <laughs> deny this. Hello. Right. Um, and Paul was wrong. 
that's right. right. That's but but there's but no reason to try said. to change right. the words. <laughs> right. Yeah. But there are a lot of people who do try to change the words, and the whole point of this is to say there is a natural use. Right. And idolatry can so turn the creator-creation relationship that mankind all the way down to the core of his being can become perverted within the context of sin, mm. okay? Mm -hmm. Now, this is also why there have been, in, I'm not sure, I've never done a full survey of historical sources, but there certainly are people today who because of the, the, the use of paradidomy at the beginning of verse 26, God gave them over, uh, believe that there is no salvation for homosexuals. Oh. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay. There are a lot of people who would say, if this is the illustration- Because they've been given okay. over. They've been given over to these things oh. and there is no redemption from this. Okay. That's why the first Corinthians six passage is so, so important because Paul is going to say such there, were such were you. some of you. Right. Um, and, uh, but they, a, a very well-known local radical King James only guy. That's yeah. the position. That's the position he takes as well. Uh, is that there is no no salvation for these things. So most of the uh, I've I've actually lost track of the number of ways that, that scholars, hmm. men who claim to be Christians, have gotten around this text. Have yeah. tried to get tried to find some way around this text. Uh, the the pederasty stuff, the right. stuff about boy toys, uh, the, the slaves. Uh, some try to make this just economic exploitation. Um, what? All, all sorts of, of, of amazing ways to try to get around this. One of the most popular ones right now, popularized by a guy named Brownson. Brownson mm. was a mm -hmm. reformed scholar whose son came out as a homosexual. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, oh, almost every single one of them. It's a familial thing, it's yeah. a family thing. <clears throat> Jen Hatmaker, yep. Uh, yep, exactly. And. So he had even written commentaries on Romans, had taken the standard Orthodox position, and then has to change it. Wow. He actually has adopted the idea that the, back, the background of Romans 1, instead of being the creation narrative in Genesis, which, which is what would be default for Paul. You can find this, you can find this in 1 Timothy, you find it in yeah. Romans, it's, it's just all over the place. Yeah. Uh, not the four-footed beast, all goes back to the Greek Septuagint. It's, it's all from Genesis, it, this is the background. But he has to divorce it from all of that. And amazingly, what he teaches, this was at the second year of the uh, Matthew Vines Reformation thing. Brownson comes along and he says, the actual background for all this is Stoicism. And so the Stoic natural behavior here is what Paul is actually talking about. It has nothing to do with the idea that there is a natural sexuality that flows from God's creative decree. So you, you make stoicism the background to all of this, and that way you can open the door for a Christian um, experience of homosexual desire that's appropriate and acceptable and, and so on and so forth. So what I'm saying is, you go online and you will find huh. easily 50 different self-contradictory ways to get around Romans chapter one. It's just really interesting that he does that because we have, we have people in the church now who are trying to sneak in an egalitarian view of manhood and womanhood. And they kind of appeal to the same thing. They say, well, that's Aristotelian. The way right. that you're, they appeal to these like ancient philosophers and they're like, well, you're just borrowing from the Stoics, from Aristotle or whatever. When in reality, 
when we, especially when we look at Paul, he's always appealing <laughs> to the created order, just like over right. and over in all these situations. So it's just really interesting that he's 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 doing that. Well, and, and I think that is actually then borne out even more so, uh, looking at the time, uh, by the, the discussion of Arsenokoites, uh, because it also drives from the created order issue. So if we could yeah. pop over to mm-hmm. uh, First, First Corinthians, Corinthians 6. Uh, chapter 6, um, there you have a, a vice list on Paul's part. Yep. Um, and it's interesting, it's in the context of what had happened in Corinth, where you had evidently the, the experience of some type of incestuous relationship within the congregation. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that, that, that Paul's like, you should have known that this, well, why? Well, because God's law has already said this, this is something you should have understood. And so it's in that, in that context and, and in church discipline and things like that, that, that Paul is specifically saying, look, the, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. You need to understand, uh, yes, you're in Corinth, and yes, there's, a, there's three, three temples on every corner, uh, three temples yeah. and a meat market on every, on every corner. Right. This is most, one of the most idolatrous ancient cities uh, in, in Greece, and that's what it's known for. That's, that's, that's how it makes its money, uh, basically, is from all the people coming to the temples. And so he, he says, do not be deceived, and he starts going through the various uh, things that that cannot be named amongst the saints, and when he the very first things that he says neither pornoi, so the broad category of of sexual sins, uh, idolatry, um, and then at the end of verse nine you have two terms, you have malakoi, and you have arsenikoitai. Now. Most translations render this as malakoi is the term that even Jesus used when he talked about uh, the soft robes that, that, that the rich would, would have. Uh, soft and effeminate. Mm. And so some have understood this to, to refer to soft, effeminate men over against hardworking men or, or, or things, uh, things like that. And then you have arsenikoitai. Now, the ESV... I think got this right. I think you can defend this very strongly, to be honest with you. But let's let's look at the word arsenkoitai. What you're going to find on online is, well, homosexual wasn't even the Bible until 1940 something. Right. Like that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, because they use terms like sodomite uh, right. or, or something. <laughs> something along, a little harsher. A little, actually. little harsher uh, along those lines. <laughs> um, but the the question is, do we know what this term would have meant in the first century? when written to an audience in Corinth mm-hmm. um, by a man who is soaked in the Hebrew scriptures, but he's writing to a Greek audience, and therefore he is soaked in the Greek Septuagint, the mm-hmm. Greek translation of the Old Testament. When someone runs to a usage 400 years after Paul and tries to read it back into this, they're trying to avoid something. Mm-hmm. It's very, very plain. Mm-hmm. The question is, if you were sitting in Corinth when this letter was read to the congregation, what would you have understood arsenikoitai to mean? Right. And the fact is, the earliest use we have is Paul. Mm-hmm. There was one other, when I, when I, 20 years ago when I was looking at this, I actually did a lot of study into the historical background. There's one other text that might be earlier, but we just not, are not sure when that particular one was written. 
So at least as far as the one that influences everybody else, it's, it's Paul. So where does he get this? If it's not running around through his culture at that time, where does he get this? When you go back to the Greek Septuagint in Leviticus 18 and Leviticus 20, you have the two constituent terms here, when in, especially in Leviticus 20 when it says, if a man lies with a man, it's arsenos is man, and to lie with is koiteo. You put them together, arsenokoites. Uh, this isn't the first time that Paul did that. Um, it's a perfectly valid thing to do. The Germans do it all the time. I don't know if you know about German, but Germans just <laughs> cram long yeah. words together until they're paragraphs long, and it's all just one, one cool, idea. cool, cool word you yeah. can put together. This, when whenever you interpret Paul on almost any other subject, mm -hmm. the default first place you look is is, is he getting this from the Greek, Greek. subject? Is yeah. he getting this from the, the Old Testament scriptures. And when you have a clear, obvious source like that, you don't need to be looking someplace else. And if you're looking someplace else, it's because you don't like what you've found. Right. And so uh, as, as Jeff Neal put it, as Jeff Neal put it on that radio debate <clears throat> with the two homosexuals years ago that led to our book, he says, arsenicoites is what men do with men in bed and that ain't eating crackers. <laughs> So <laughs> thanks, just, Jeff. He just put it straight out there, and 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 that's exactly right. That's that's what it means. And so I think the ESV got it because because the ESV renders yeah. the instead of effeminate and homosexuals, it yeah. just simply says homosexuals. Oh, interesting. And okay. the reason it's doing that is it's hmm. seeing that Malakoi is the passive recipient. And the arsenokoitai is the aggressive um, individual. Got it. In the sexual relationship. Got it. Um, and so they just simply say homosexuals, describing both uh, that, that, are, that are found there. So it's important then um, that he then goes on and talks about drunks and thieves and, and uh, so on and so forth. Um, these will not inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. The term were is in the past tense. There are no textual variants. It cannot say such are. Mm -hmm. There are no manuscripts anywhere in the world that say such are some of you. Yeah. Hmm. Such were some of you, but the adversative use of Allah, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. And so there has been a fundamental change. There is a break. It is not such are some of you, you continue in these ways. The entire context of whether it be sexual sin or any of the other sins that, uh -huh. that are found here. Yeah. The idea that these can be identity markers mm -hmm. as a continuous proper identification of Christians. You've, you've had... Um, Rosaria on to talk about this and and um, uh, you might you might uh, re reconnect there uh, mm -hmm. in light of what's been going on uh, yeah. recently. It might be good to have Rosaria on to discuss some of this stuff because she actually just uh, put out an article a couple of months ago on Romans chapter one. Oh, I missed that. Uh, and um, where she, did she put it out? Uh, I can track it down for okay. you. She actually sent it to me before it was published, but okay. Um, and she has strongly clarified comments she made years ago before Obergefell mm -hmm. about the use of pronouns. 
Mm. Before Obergefell, she didn't really have any problem with utilizing someone's requested pronouns. Sure. But now she's realized can't be done. Yeah. And um, Rosaria is probably the most transparent mm-hmm. um, woman who just simply wants to do what's pleasing before she's her Lord I, that I've ever, mm-hmm. ever encountered. She, yeah. it, it, she's really, really special. But keeping in mind what's here, like I said on the last program, and it probably just went zooming by most folks, we sort of, when I wrote the book, you know, we talked about First Timothy chapter one, um, and we we talked about the appearance there uh, of arsenicoites um, in another uh, vice list, and it was just sort of like, well, yeah, okay, here's another example uh, here in writing to Timothy, uh, you know, you want Timothy to be prepared to deal with all the stuff that's becoming his direction, so on and so forth, but since writing that book and looking at this passage more closely, and I know Robert Gagnon has, has made references too, when you actually look at how he lays out the discussion of the goodness of the law, we know the that the law is good. You follow it through. He's using the Ten Commandments as his outline. Yeah. And he's putting arsenicoites into the idolatry, not the the adultery section, the the, the uh, section on sexual sin. Yeah, he is. And I hadn't seen it at that time. I've never but, seen but it before. But when you but when you when you follow it through, it's very very strong and very very clear. And what that also that is does so cool. isn't that isn't that awesome? Yeah. And, and what that also does is again emphasize the correctness um, uh, of hmm. our emphasis. Hmm through apologia on mm-hmm. the abiding moral validity of, of God's well, law. It's wanna, right there. I want to pause you real quick because what we were, so th- this is related, what we were just talking about, something that Joy and I have taken time to talk about before because we feel very strongly about it, is that in that in that list, um, in the, the passage in uh, Corinthians 610, uh, you have the that list of things of such were some some of you Mm -hmm. and so we we believe that uh like you were saying if that is something that um as a christian you are to not find your identity in any of those things and we have had conversations about this related to addiction as well because you have the drunkards in there Mm -hmm. and so a lot of christians make the argument you know, a lot of Christians have just bought the alcoholism mm-hmm. lie, like right. hook, line, and sinker. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. And it's those same Christians that have a very worldly view, a psychological view of uh, being a drunkard as this kind of immutable category of person right. um, where it happened to you in a lot of ways. Um, they're the same people that tend to cave on the issue of homosexuality, of, of it being an identity. And so I think as Christians, we kind of, when we caved on the alcoholism issue, when we, um, we allowed it to become a category of person uh, that just has a psychological, maybe physical problem, right. it became this medical thing. Right, that when we caved on that, we ushered in, we we helped usher into the church what we're seeing now with like the revoice crowd of like. Well, that has to do with like it's pathologizing sin, and so it has to do again, kind of what what Paul is talking about. It 
it has to do with making it natural. Mm-hmm. Like we have to take something that's not, that's, that's sin, that's, that's not, not natural. natural yeah. And we have to make it nat. Oh, this occur. See, this does occur in nature. It's called addiction <laughs> right. and it's a disease. It's a disease. Yeah. Like, so now you have this like medical model and, and a lot of, I see a lot of Christians arguing, you know, if you used to be an alcoholic, you essentially have to live in this like medical incubator away from you can't have wine in communion you can't do all these things because once an alcoholic always an alcoholic so such were some of you always (laughs) (laughs) there are no textual variants for that either i can affirm that so i just think i wanted to say that real quick because this is something we haven't talked about in a while but it is something i think super important is that the way that you view sin and identity and what the cross actually did and who you actually are, it's going to come into play in what Paul's talking about here in ways that the world is never going to catechize you in. They're going to catechize right. you to believe that your your identity is in all kinds of different things. You've got all kinds of intersections. Um, and, you know, I really believe that the once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic is a lie. And if you guys just go to sheilogens.com and search, we've done an episode on that. So you can find it anyway. Yes. You can go back to first Timothy now. Oh. <laughs> I just, I, it's important. And it's something I, I just, I don't think enough I don't think enough people are talking about it. And I remember when we started talking about it years ago, people were like shocked. They were mm-hmm. like, oh, I've never thought of that before. And it's just, it's not, we are totally raised, you know, we were the dare generation. Yeah. We're totally raised to believe that if you have ever abused a substance, that for the rest of your life, you are a substance abuser. Right. Well, like, like no matter what, done. And now it's the same thing with homosexuality. It's like, well, this is just... who I am and it's done and I can't do anything about it. And so instead of encouraging people, instead of encouraging drunkards to have a healthy relationship with alcohol, which might be total abstaining, I don't know. Instead of encouraging people who feel same-sex attracted to live in accordance with their nature, we're not allowed to do that because it's unloving and some people would say unbiblical. And Paul says the opposite of that. So anyway, important. That was my side. Oh, well, definitely. That's yeah. my side trip. Well, the only thing I was going to add in uh, in 1 Timothy 1 is after going through this list and obviously following the yes. outline of uh, the Decalogue in so doing, yeah. and therefore demonstrating the continuing abiding validity of, of the moral law, Woo-hoo. notice it says, and if there is anything else uh, that is against, that stands against sound teaching, and so what's the definition of sound teaching uh, that he's just used? Um, this is exactly what we are, uh, I, I notice, against uh, the gospel of the blessed God. Uh, so, so, I mean, this is not, you know, we, we, can, we need to distinguish between law and gospel, mm-hmm. but some people put them in separate universes. And Where they don't inform, touch at all. They don't touch at all, and there's no, 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 uh, ability to see how the one relates to the other. Uh, for, for the apostle, he's saying, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, uh, with which I have been entrusted. And so his interpretation of the moral application of the law was a gospel issue, is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And this is what sound teaching is supposed to be all about. Mm-hmm. And so what's the only way to understand this with all of Scripture? See, if you, if you isolate each one of these texts, 
if 1 Timothy chapter 1 can't be interpreted in light of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and that can't be interpreted with Romans chapter 1, and that can't be interpreted in light of Leviticus 18 and 20, you, you can then isolate each one and try to pick them off. That's the, that's the best the revisionists have. You, if you take a full biblical, canonical, I want to know what the Bible as the Bible teaches, there's no question about what it says on homosexuality. Very few seminaries believe that there is a biblical understanding of the subject because that assumes a view of inspiration that has the same spirit being behind Genesis, who's behind Revelation and everything in between. And I hate to tell people this because they're like, well, why in the world do people even go to seminaries? But in the vast majority of those seminaries today, that is simply not what is believed. You, you, you view scripture as They'll, they'll use other terms. They'll talk about, we will encourage you to wrestle with the text. And, and when, I was at, when I was at Fuller, um, you know, there was, we, we, were, we were wrestling with the text in light of tensions in the oh, text. Oh, the tensions The tensions and the in the text, uh, which is oh, nice struggle. ways of saying contradictions. Yeah. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. There are, there are texts that you have to wrestle with. Um, you have to wrestle with well, you have to wrestle with Lot and, and that, that issue. You have sure. to wrestle with um, how you understand Abraham and Isaac and uh, the sacrifice mm -hmm. and all that. I'm not saying that, they're, that everything's simplistic and easy and you just gotta you know, uh, take the, that kind of an attitude. I'm not saying that. Um, but what they are doing is using words that we would understand that way to actually hide the idea that, yeah, actually, Paul contradicted Paul, and, and there is no consistent message that is right. to be found in any of this stuff. Right. That's what most people have been taught that are standing behind pulpits today. So you, mm. you, you just can't be overly surprised at what you, what you get and why there is such a muddled mm -hmm. um, response to what's mm -hmm. happening within our society on every issue. Um, you, know, you would think that something like transgenderism would be so obvious but it requires you to believe that the creation narrative actually involves a creator. Mm -hmm. We don't have a creator in so many, I mean, you got groups like Biologos and people like that that have managed to build a wall mm -hmm. so that the creation and the creator are, are, are separated from one another mm -hmm. and the results are exactly what you'd expect them to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> So many. No, I, was, I was watching Joyce. Joyce is sitting there going, man, I wish he'd pick it up. Yeah, I wish he'd start getting into some, some, some good depth here because this is just so light and fluffy. Light and fluffy. I, I didn't know that he could do this. Man, I mean, it so really just fluffy. exposes our culture, really. The Christian culture in yeah. particular, mm -hmm. I think, for me. I think that um, we have so bought the lie of the gospel of nice and that the chief end of man is to uh, be nice and be silent forever <laughs> um, in the face of conflict. And I just, my, my desire in having this kind of conversation is that we would encourage people to put courage into people as we're mm -hmm. saying now that um, we actually do have an answer 
for these issues and that you actually can be confident in what you're saying and that you don't need to feel shame for agreeing with Jesus. And I think that um, it, the, the sh- shaming and cancel culture is very strong and it is our duty as Christians not to fold underneath it. And that you, we have been given all that we need for life and godliness in this area. Um, And so being able to think through these issues to understand what scripture has to say about it is the, is one of the main ways that you can stay strong um, and that you can actually love your neighbor. It's so cool that that list and First Timothy one goes through the Ten Commandments. I'd never seen that before. It's very yeah, that's cool. If you sit down and read it right now, you're gonna be like, "Wow, duh, <laughs> just duh." Um, I don't know why. I, um, never clicked. I don't Not know why. Me I, either. I don't know why it never clicked. <laughs> I've read it and we I. We needed someone smarter than yeah. us. <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> Y'all ever read them Ten Commandments before? <laughs> A couple times. times. Yeah. So cool. All right, Dad. Thanks. What else? Is there anything you want to leave people with? Well, uh, obviously, uh, we are in a situation now where no matter where we go and who we're talking to, we have the opportunity, really, I think, the requirement of speaking to these issues. Mm. We are literally being told that we must embrace a mindset and worldview that is fundamentally opposed to humanity because it's fundamentally opposed to the idea that God is the creator of humanity. So when people say, you have to say black lives matter, um, you know, I, could, I just look back and go, what does matters mean? <laughs> right, what, what does that mean mat- to you? What, can you tell me how I can say anything matters from your worldview? How does anything matter whatsoever? Right. Uh, we're stardust bumping into other stardust. How does that matter about anything? Right. And if they, if they... Unless it's black lives are matter, Right. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> then all lives are matter. And then that right. doesn't make any, any sense right. either. <laughs> and if they're going to be consistent, eventually they're going to have to say the reason it matters is because we right. make it matter. Right. Well, they and do say th- that. I think. They do say that. And now, now you're now you're able to start talking about something that's right. most mm-hmm. important because yeah. where where does that where do right. where does truth actually come from? Where does what matters actually come from? It's right. such amazing. So, so it's amazing. So we have the opportunity. We really do. Right. We can we can say Black Lives Matter in only in light of the empty tomb. Mm-hmm. Now you're straight right. into the gospel. Now you yeah. can explain why that is and and the whole nine yards. So we but we're but we're being intimidated. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're being told, no, 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 don't, don't do that. And unfortunately, we're not seeing a whole lot of, of people who are pushing back mm-hmm. in a gospel way. Right. Yeah. Um, when we basically have a new gospel mm-hmm. being promoted mm-hmm. in our culture. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's at the highest levels mm-hmm. and it's exploded upon us. Mm-hmm. And if we love our neighbors, we're going to have to push back on these things or we Mm -hmm. will lose our freedom to even say the things we're saying right now. Yeah. Well, and not that, you know, your life isn't just about you feeling smart and like, you know what you're talking about. But um, we had a similar or I said something similar when we did a creation episode. I think I don't even know who's with It's probably an earlier episode, but we just talked about how you don't if you actually believe that you have a f- the truth and the foundation for truth and what is real 
then you don't have to feel stupid or to use your word intimidated Mm -hmm. uh, going up against foolishness. Right. So just a reminder Mm -hmm. that if you're in wisdom, do not look at a foolish person and feel like feel intimidated or like, yeah. oh, well, I'm a Christian, so I kind of believe this, like, outdated thing or whatever. Right. Um, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't um, do that. And I'm saying it because I know a lot of people do mm-hmm. do that. Well, I used I used to feel that way. It's, like, yeah. man, it's the mob. I mean, right. when you ha- when, when yeah. the, the mob is always foolish. Right. Yeah. And so you, you have a situation where we're up against Lot did Numbers. some crazy things when the mob. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So Don't it's... be like Lot in that way. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> We're not pro Lot. <laughs> this is not a pro Lot show, okay? <laughs> okay. Well, you guys, now that we're all laughing. <laughs> You can leave well, yeah, because it's really hard to just be like, bye, and then play some music <laughs> when you've ended on a really somber tone. We're talking about lot, and we're talking about culture collapsing. Leave us a voicemail at 470-465-0475. Join the book club. We're going to work on protecting your brain against all this foolishness. Thanks for being with us, Dad. Ooh, thank you. In case you don't know who he is, because sometimes some people don't, which this is true. get with it. Um, you can go to aomen.org and get all that good stuff there. And that's it for this week, and we will see you guys next week. Trying to be